Uh, we are in Mark chapter 4 this morning, and uh, actually the first 34 verses of Mark chapter 4 are parables. Jesus is beginning to teach in parables, and this is actually the last section in Mark in which we'll be reading about that. Uh, but verse 34 of chapter 4, uh, Mark is going to end with this commentary, uh, 33 and 34, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So what are parables? Parables use everyday events to illustrate spiritual truths. That's what parables do. Parables use everyday events, things that would have been common, circumstances, uh, to illustrate spiritual truths. By design, they are meant to be both mundane and surprising. At the same time, there's always a twist in a parable. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's a little over the top, but it's always meant to catch the ear of those who are paying attention. The point is to get people thinking. And so Jesus uses parables to get people thinking about the kingdom that he has been proclaiming. Everyone at the time had their own ideas about what the kingdom of God would be like. And it always involved some display of power and a son of David sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. Jesus was not preaching that kind of kingdom. In fact, he's turning that idea of the kingdom of God on its head. The kingdom of God will be about weakness. It will not be about power. It will be about suffering and serving, not about ruling, at least not at first. It will have an inauspicious, almost imperceptible beginning, like that of a mustard seed. Its growth will be hard to explain in the same way that a farmer in the first century would have a hard time explaining how the seed that he had thrown out of the field had grown into such a great harvest. This word of the kingdom would be, would be heard by many. It would, it would fall on all kinds of different soils, but it would be rejected by some. But in the case of the kingdom harvest that would come, it would be a harvest beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Parables. Parables. Everyday events used to illustrate spiritual truths about the kingdom of God. That's how Jesus uses parables in the gospel. So our parable for this morning is very familiar. We've heard it lots of times, and even though, you know, we're all pretty far removed from first century farming, it's not hard to understand what's being said here. And we tend to think of it as we read this parable from the perspective of the soil, from the perspective of those who are listening, and, and how important it is to listen. And I do think that's mainly what this parable is about, and we need to hear it. We live in an age in which we are so distracted by everything around us. We're always on our phones, either tracking with the news or the stock market and getting more and more anxious, or you know, fleeing into the sanctuary that is social media, just trying to numb ourselves and get away from the pain. So there is an urgent call to listen in this parable. It is, I think, primarily about listening, but it's also very much about sowing, and it's also very much about the seed that is sown. So we need to learn the lesson of the seed. We need to learn the lesson of the sower, and we need to learn the lesson of the soil. So those would be our three points this morning. The seed, the sower, and the soil. Let's turn to the text and read it together. Hear the word of God. 
beginning in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray as we come to this portion of your word that you would work in us in such a way that we have courage to sow the seed and that we have open ears in order to hear the good news of your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so first, the lesson of the seed. What's happening in the text? Now, when I started it out, you may have thought he was on the sea and they were on the beach. How in the world does that work? Well, there's actually a small cove just west of Capernaum, so where they would have been, in which scholars believe Jesus could have set himself up on a boat just off the shore. The, the waves would have been very still. Of course, it's a small, tight cove. And people could have been lined up on the beach. It would have been wide open. So he could have spoken, and they would have been able to hear him quite well. He's describing the landscape of Galilee, and he's, he's nailing it. I mean, that's exactly what it was like for a farmer in that area at that time. The ground was rocky. There were thorns and thistles everywhere, but where there was good soil, the soil was good, especially near the Sea of Galilee. And everyone would have understood the agricultural imagery that he was using. And so, again, much of what you see in a parable is obvious. Then there's a twist. What would have been obvious? for them in this parable. And there would have been some things that are pretty obvious about the seed. So, you know, we know from verse 8, Jesus says what the seed is. So take a look. No, I'm sorry. We know about the yield. 
Verse 8, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain. Like, that would have been obvious. Yes, seeds produce grain, right? That's what was obvious to them about the seed. Or in other words, the life of the grain is in the seed. Or to put it another way, the harvest was in the seed that they held in their hands. So what's the interpretation? What does it mean? Jesus tells us, and now we're back down to verse 14, that the seed is the word. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. The seed is the word. The word is this gospel of the kingdom. Back in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus is preaching, he's sowing this gospel of the kingdom, this good news about the kingdom of God. Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, in chapters 4 and 9 and 24, specifically refers to this as the gospel of the kingdom, or the good news of the kingdom. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, it really boils down to this. Jesus is the Son of God who has come to rescue his people, not from the Roman Empire in the first century, but from sin and death. He would accomplish this in an unexpected way, not through military might, but through the power of the cross. There on the cross, he would be our substitute. He would take the wrath that we deserve for our sin so that we might have his right standing before God. His resurrection would prove that his mission was accomplished and his people now are called to live under his rule until his return, loving like he loved and sowing this good news of the gospel that he proclaimed. So in this parable, Jesus is saying that's how the kingdom of God is going to grow. It's going to be as the seed, as the good news of the kingdom is spread. That's the lesson of the seed. The gospel is breaking in. The harvest will come as the word is proclaimed. Now the church, Grace Church, every church, needs to remember that this is how the kingdom grows this is how the church grows. It's not through elaborate worship services, though there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's not through mercy ministry, though that absolutely is biblically required of the church. It's not having the ability to counter every argument that's raised against Christianity, although that's a good thing to be able to do. We're, we're called to be ready to give an answer. The gospel, I'm sorry, the kingdom of God will grow. The church will grow through the preaching of the word of God. And by preaching, I don't just mean what I'm doing here. I mean the people of God gossiping the gospel, just talking about Jesus to people. That's how the kingdom grows. So what is the lesson of the seed? Well, just as the harvest is in the seed, so too the harvest of the kingdom is in the word. That's the lesson of the seed. Let's move on, secondly, to the lesson of the sower. What did everybody know about sowing seed at that time? Well, you know, the way he described it is the way farmers would have done it. They would have had a sack over their shoulder filled with seed. So this fall, you know, when Lord willing, we're all back together again and we can all go to apple orchards and we can all pick apples so that we can make apple pie and be able to gather again together for Thanksgiving. When you go to those orchards, you're going to see trees in nice, neat, evenly dispersed rows. That's not 
the result of what they were doing. They were scattering seed far and wide, more like the broadcast spreaders that everybody's pulling out to seed and fertilize their lawns right now. And so those farmers at that time knew that some of the seed would never take root. They, they were indiscriminate in where the seed was going. They were just throwing it. They knew that some of it would never take root. But they knew where it found good soil, it would grow. Now the twist is what Jesus says here about the harvest. So a normal harvest in that day and age was anywhere from 5 to 10 to in a good year, 15 fold. And Jesus says in verse 8 that there will be a harvest that's 30, 60, or a hundredfold. So that would have gotten their attention. This is a harvest that is uniquely blessed by God. So what's Jesus saying about the kingdom? Jesus is saying that there will be an abundant worldwide harvest. He's pointed to that through the parable. He's going to make it more explicit in places like Acts chapter 1 when he says to his apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He's building there on something he said back in Matthew chapter 24. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come and then Jesus will return. Paul in Colossians chapter 1 can give testimony to the fact that this is happening. He says in Colossians chapter 1, all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. And then John in his great vision in, in Revelation chapter 5 says concerning the Lamb, Jesus Christ, that by his blood he had ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. There will be a worldwide harvest as the gospel of the kingdom is spread. So what does every sower of the word need to know? And by the way, we're all called to sow the word. We're all called to scatter the seed. We're all, if we're Christians, called to share the gospel. So what do we need to know? We need to know that to be a sower is to participate in the greatest harvest ever known. You know, every farmer wants to know that ultimately in the end there's going to be a bumper crop. But when it comes to sowing the gospel, the sower, the one who's sharing the gospel, can know that in the end there will be a harvest beyond man's greatest imagining. A harvest of people from every tribe and tongue. The rescue of souls from the judgment of hell. And so the sower has the unique opportunity to spread the seed far and wide indiscriminately, with no concern for where it may fall. Not assuming that we know the kind of soil that it will land in and, and, and take root in. The farmer in the first century, the farmer in Jesus' parable, might have seen what looked like good soil. He didn't know the substrata, the rock that was right underneath. We may look at someone and, and think, boy, there's good soil there, but we don't know the heart. And so we sow the seed indiscriminately. We spread the word far and wide. And then we trust the word to do its work. There's a mystery in this passage, and I'm just going to touch on it briefly because this is for another sermon. But in verses 10 and 11, Jesus says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, 
To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he's quoting from Isaiah, who 700 years prior was also accused of basically teaching things that were like children's Sunday school level. And Isaiah's point was, some of you are going to hear, but not hear. And Jesus is pulling that in and saying, that's exactly what's happening here. Because only those whom God gives the ability to hear will in fact hear. So there's a mystery there concerning God's sovereignty. However, don't miss another mystery. And that is found in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Also don't miss what Jesus says at the beginning of the parable. Listen, listen. So, for the sower, for every Christian who's called to share the gospel, you're participating in the greatest, greatest harvest ever known. So spread the seed, the word far and wide. Trust the word to do its work. Sow the gospel wherever you can. So the lesson of the seed, the powers in the word, the lesson of the sower, there will be a great harvest. And then third and finally, the lesson of the soil. There's four types of soils that are mentioned here. Jesus gives the parable in the first part of the, of the, of the chapter and then the explanation in uh, the second part of the, our section for this morning. So let's just kind of bounce back and forth. See the parable, see the interpretation given by Jesus. So the first type of soil is the path. Verse 4, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then the interpretation is down in verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So we've talked about this over the last number of weeks. We've talked about the um, spiritual realm and the, and the reality that there is more to what is real than what we see. And so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of those sermons or, you know, shoot me an email. We can talk more about that one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. The point here that we just need to see very briefly is that there is a spiritual enemy that is seeking to snatch away the very word that would bring life to those who need it. There's a spiritual reality to what's happening in the world right now. There's a spiritual reality to all that is, and we can't ignore that. And yet, at the same time, this also points to the fact that there are hearts that are hard. The path is hard. Hearts are hard. And so if you're, if you're hearing this this morning, and if you have been someone who's maybe always you know, kind of rejected the message of Christianity and just, and just kind of assumed there can't be any truth to that, don't miss this opportunity to listen. Don't just listen to me. Don't just take my word for it. Grab a Bible and read it. Give me a call and let's talk about this. There's nothing more important than this right now. In the context of this sermon, a seed has been cast. As I've talked about the kingdom of God, it's landed on your heart in some way. Are you listening? Some seed falls on the path. Some seed falls on rocky ground. So up in verses 5 and 6, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. There's the parable. 
the interpretation Jesus gives us down in verses 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So here are people who have heard it, and they've been excited about it, but they're shallow belief. In, in this area, I mentioned this earlier, there, there could be a thin layer of what looked like really good soil, but there was this substrata of rock in some places that was just below the soil. So the rock would heat up with the spring sun, the, the plant would do really well, but then when the summer came, there'd be no depth, uh, the, the sun would be too hot and it would die. So that's understanding the imagery behind the parable. What's the application for us today? Well, when I read this, I think especially of young adults. I, th I think of kids who maybe have been raised in the church, mom and dad have taught them about the gospel, and they've gone off either to you know, middle school or high school or off to college or just out into you know, young adulthood, living life, and opp opposition comes, especially in the context of a school setting. People begin to look at you sideways. You're a Christian? You, you actually believe that stuff? The sun begins to shine a little brighter. The heat begins to build on you from those who mock you because of the things that you believe. And the great risk is that you're found to have just shallow growth. And so my urging to you right now, if you find yourself in that place, is give yourself over to discipleship. Give yourself to growing in Jesus. If, if you are part of Grace Church, or even if you're not, Go to the website and learn more about the youth ministry that we have here. Youth group is meeting online. Jump into that. But also, own this for yourself. If you are a young person who professes faith in Christ, you are able to take up your Bible and read it. You are able to go before the Lord and pray. You don't need mom or dad or youth group leader for that. You can just go do that yourself. Allow God to work in your life in such a way that the roots go deep so that whether that day of hardship is coming because college hasn't come yet or you're there right now, be trusting God for the growth that you need in order to endure. And then verse 7, we get the, uh, the soil with thorns. So take a look there. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And then jump down to the interpretation, which is in verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for things that enter in, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, now I'm thinking about people like me. I mean, you know, people that are out in the workplace and they're living their lives and they're trying to keep up with their kids or their grandkids or whatever the case may be. They're trying to make their way up the ladder. They're trying to do their best at work. But the thing that tends to get left behind is your walk with the Lord. And the risk that all these thorns will grow up, all the sufferings and hardships that come with life, but also just the fact that we sometimes live as though this life matters more than the life that is to come. And the result is... The word gets choked out. And then there's the good soil. Verse 8, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60, and 100 fold. 
and then the interpretation by Jesus down in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So again, very simple to understand. These are the people that hear the word and take it in. They listen to what it says. Jesus' urgent call to listen, back up in verse 3, is something that they are in the habit of doing whenever the Word of God is open before them or whenever, one, whenever it's being proclaimed to them. So, urgent call to listen here and then some practical application as we wrap up. There's an urgent call to listen. Go back again to verse 3. Jesus, I picture him on the boat, on the crowd, probably some, you know, murmuring and some chattering along the beach. Is he going to do another miracle? What's it going to be like from there? Wow, that'll be cool. And him shouting, listen. And by his spirit, he's calling from his word, listen. Christopher Ash said this, it's a life and death business this listening to sermons. And I would add it's a life and death business, this listening to the Word of God when it's read or reading it for ourselves or, or whenever anyone's talking to us about Jesus. Dick Lucas said, the same word that hardens hearts liberates captives. The same word that saves some condemns others. And so with the psalmist in Psalm 95, we have got to respond. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We have to respond by keeping our hearts open before the Lord. So to that end, practical application here at the end, how can we be better listeners? First, pray God will give you ears to hear. If only God can open up ears to hear, Pray God will give you ears to hear. Again, if you're somebody who's watching right now and you're not a Christian believer and you're not sure any of this is true, pray right now to this God that you're not even sure exists and ask him to open your ears, to open your heart, to receive these truths. Pray God will give you ears to hear. Second, all of us, listen expectantly and discerningly expectantly and discerningly. I, I love, you see this in uh, Acts chapter 17 with the Bereans who are listening to Paul preach. I mean, my goodness, if you're going to be really like saying, okay, man, to anyone, it's going to be Jesus. And then after Jesus, Paul, right? Maybe Peter gets thrown in the mix somewhere there as well. But here's the Bereans listening and they say in Acts chapter 17 that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. You see? Eagerness, but also discernment. Eager to hear what Paul was saying, but quick to go to their Bibles to make sure that what he was saying lined up with what, with what was written. In other words, they weren't willing to just take Paul's word for it. Don't be willing to just take my word for it. Pray God will give you ears to hear. Listen expectantly and discerningly. Third, listen with humility. So James, in James chapter 1, verse 21, humbly accept the word planted in you, except that God knows better than you do at all parts. See, the temptation is to think that everything's fine and good until we get to portions of the Bible that rub against what we seem to think it ought to say. That's not humbly accepting the word. Receiving the word means we live under the authority of the word. We don't stand over it. Pray God will give you ears to hear. Listen expectantly and discerningly. Listen with humility. And then finally, be ready to put it into practice. 
James and James 1 verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Do what it says in the strength that God supplies. All right, so the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has broken into the world and it continues to spread like a sower, like a farmer sowing seed in a field. It will fall on all types of soils. It will fall on all types of hearts. What's your heart like? But there will be a great harvest. Our job as Christians is to faithfully sow. And wherever you are in your spiritual life right now, you have an opportunity now to diligently listen. How do we do so? What will help us overcome the fear that keeps us from sharing the gospel? I'm afraid to share the gospel, and I do this for a living. Like what will help us overcome that fear when it comes to sharing the gospel? What will lead to greater growth in us? The growth of this gospel that, that Paul in Colossians said is growing all over the world and yet was also continuing to bear fruit among them, those Christians in Colossae. What will enable that gospel to keep bearing fruit in us? What will keep our hearts always ready to receive this word of the kingdom? Well, it's consistently, daily, looking to the one who is sower, seed, and vine all at once. Jesus is the original sower who gave his life as seed. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And in him, the living vine, as we're connected to him by faith, we too bear fruit. Maybe that by God's grace, we are people who are bold and courageous as we proclaim this gospel and receive with meekness and joy the word as it's implanted in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would do just that. Oh Lord, that those of us who um, profess you as our Savior would be those who are, because of joy and gratitude and, and hope and a real concern uh, for the life to come, Lord, that we will be people who eagerly sow this word wherever you give us the opportunity to do so. And would you help us also to be people who continually listen Lord, that when your word is open before us, we're praying that you would work by your spirit to give us ears to hear and hearts ready to receive all that is there for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.